Pop Culture Affidavit Episode 3. Nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. Welcome to the third episode of Pop Culture Affidavit, a monthly podcast that looks at things random in popular culture. My name is Tom Panneries, and I'm your host. This time around, I'm going to be taking a look at a song that was, for the time it came out, one of the biggest songs in the world, November Rain by Guns N' Roses. But before I get to my main topic, I thought I'd take some time to catch you up on what's been going on lately. Taking Flight, my other podcast, has been coming along pretty nicely, even though it's gone from weekly to bi-weekly, and I'm just about knee-deep in the early 1990s with Year 3 and A Lonely Place of Dying, which are two storylines that are very important to Dick Grayson's character as well as his role in the story of Batman. Uh, you can check those out at takingflight.podomatic.com. Speaking of other podcasts, I did a guest spot on Bailey's Batman podcast, where Michael Bailey and I talked about the greatest Batman stories ever told. A great collection of Batman stories, and I had an absolute blast talking about the book with him. In fact, I'd like to have him on this show. I just have to find something to talk about, which shouldn't be hard. Uh, I just, again, I have to sit down and take the time to think of what to talk about, but I'm sure I'll find something. Anyway, you can find uh, Bailey's Batman Podcast through iTunes or at baileysbatmanpodcast.com. Check out, if you're into comics, if you're into uh, pop culture, check out his other podcasts, uh, mainly Views from the Long Box, which is which is a great, great show, and From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. As for the blog, as for Pop Culture Affidavit itself, um, which you can find over at popcultureaffidavit.com, I have a couple things up there, including the Degrassi Junior High episode Black and White, as well as the demo track for the Yamaha PSR27 keyboard, which is more epic than I'm making it sound right now. Trust me. Anyway, I know it all sounds sparse, but um, I've gone to kind of a bi-weekly posting in addition to the taking flight notes and stuff uh, because, you know, work got a little bit crazy over the course of the last couple of months, but things are a little back on track, and I can definitely tell you that the holidays are coming up, and I always love writing about stuff around the holidays, so there'll definitely be more stuff on there uh, soon. For now, though, I want to take a look at a song that is an odd way one of the more important songs of my teenage years, which is November Rain. Uh, This is, at least on some level, kind of funny to me, uh, because November Rain isn't as seminal as, say, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh, which came out around the same time, but uh, as I'll talk about later, nostalgia does have this kind of way of playing tricks on us. So November Rain is track 10 on the Guns N' Roses album Use Your Illusion 1. Uh, The band had made their major label debut in 1987 with Appetite for Destruction, an album that is still critically acclaimed and considered one of the most important albums of the 80s. If you're unfamiliar with the album, you're probably at least familiar with at least three of the songs, Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, and Paradise City. Appetite was a thunderous debut. Guns N' Roses really, really came out of the door full speed ahead. Uh, They did release an album in 89, which was uh, Lies, which is more of an EP of of different stuff, kind of cobbled together as like a placeholder. Uh, It did give us Patience, which is a great song, but the next full-fledged studio effort would be a few years coming. That studio effort would be two albums, uh, both which were released on the same day, Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2. Uh, They both came out on September 17, 1991, in a fashion similar to two Springsteen albums, Human Touch and Lucky Town, which had both come out on the same day uh, earlier that year, I want to say like May 31st. Uh, The difference between the Illusion albums and and those two albums is that uh, The Boss had originally intended to release only one album and wound up actually recording a ton more stuff, uh, enough for another album, and release both on the same day uh, to uneven results. 
It's been a good 20 years since I listened to either of those two albums. Uh, GNR intended the Use Your Illusion albums to be connected. Uh, Essentially, it's a double album, but each part sold separately. Both albums went multi-platinum. Use Your Illusion 2 hit number one on the Billboard charts, while Use Your Illusion 1 reached number two. Uh, the reason that's often cited for the slightly bigger success of two rather than one is that You Could Be Mine, which is a single that was used in Terminator 2, arguably the biggest movie of, of 1991, was on Use Your Illusion 2. Uh, in fact, I believe Schwarzenegger was even in the video for, for You Could Be Mine. November Rain, though, was released as a single on June 2nd, 1992. Uh, at 8 minutes and 57 seconds, it's the longest top 10 hit in Billboard history, reached number 3. Uh, and I'll, I'll get a, into the song structure, uh, a little bit more of its history, but I want to play it first. So here is November Rain.
Since I've listened to the song more times than I care to count in the last couple of weeks, I can definitely say this is a its a shot at the title. Uh, it's an epic ballad, the type of song that Axl Rose must have intended to be anthemic. I mean, I can see him wanting to be this to be blasting, I don't know, like from blasting from Lloyd Dobler's jukebox or something, even though it falls a little short in the lyrics department, I will say. But, you know... Guns N' Roses was never exactly about insightful lyrics or that had deep meaning. They were never exactly enigmatic either. The idea that November Rain isn't necessarily deep shouldn't be surprising then. Uh, what amazes me is how, like, pop this song is. And that's not meant to be an insult, but stripping this down to its basics, you know, taking away the orchestra, taking away the repeated guitar solos, which, by the way, are amazing, and, and Slash deserves an enormous amount of credit for making this song what it is. And taking away the storm sound effects, which are a bit cheesy, I will say, uh, this puts it right up there with Beth in terms of great power ballads. Now, I happen to own the sheet music, which was, uh, or at least the version of the sheet music published by Cherry uh, Lane Music Company, the publisher of quite a good amount of pop and rock sheet music uh, during my teen years, and as far as I know, they're still going. And I'll get more into my history of playing this song on the piano uh, later in the episode, but right now, I, I kind of want to break it down. Um, November Rain's written in 4-4, mostly in the key of C, uh, with a long intro that, when you add an orchestra, has the feeling of something pretty bombastic, but simply on the piano, it's like I said, it's like Beth, or uh, or when you want to think of like Guns N' Roses, if, if you're thinking of them more highly than Kiss, uh, the long and winding road. <laughs> but, I mean... Like, you know, listen to it on, on kind of a basic level, and, you know, you have. And then we get into kind of the intro before the first verse. Mm-hmm. 
you have to forgive my uh, mediocre piano playing there. It's uh, I'm using a Yamaha PRSR 320 keyboard that's sitting on a coffee table. I don't have the music stand, so this sheet music's laying flat because I can't find the damn music stand. I'm pretty sure it's in my parents' attic or something. Uh, sheet music's laying kind of flat. There's a little bit of a glare on it, and uh, admittedly, I haven't really sat down and played this song. I haven't sat down and played the piano in, in a good like decade, and I really haven't sat down and played this song in a good 17 years, so... I'm a little rusty. Anyway, it, it is. It's a simple sort of very kind of quiet progression that even on the piano, and like I said, uh, you know, my keyboard is missing. It's short a couple octaves, and um, I can't really do the uh, do the sound because it's a, it's a consistent sound. Um, but for the most part, it looks like it's mezzo forte, so it does kind of keep a consistent uh, rhythm. I would have given a little bit more feel to it if I was an actual piano, but uh, it's very, very straightforward. The or- like I said, the orchestra on top of it adds adds another layer. Uh, and when you go to the verses, the sheet music actually has you playing the melody because that's what sheet music did if you were taking the piano as a kid. And um, it has a basic chord progression. C, F major 7th, D minor, some variations here and there. And I honestly, uh, kind of looking at it and looking at this, uh, if, if you listen to the, the Lovers Always Come and Lovers Always Go and Nobody Really sh- Sure uh, Who's Letting It Go Today, Walking Away, that's a really really high note. Um, I'm going to play the right hand part because you've got this. It's like... My voice is way too baritone or bass to to sing that. Axel can sing it. Axel does that kind of scratchy... It's not a falsetto. It's a... You know, which, again, I can't do that. Um, I'm actually surprised this hasn't been co- covered by some pop princess or, or, or like a country singer or something because it it very well could be turned into something like that. To my knowledge, there aren't... I don't even know if there are any covers of this song. Uh, I might do... Uh, I don't know. I could probably do a little more research of it, but, but you know, I, I know that Sweet Child of Mine was covered at least once or twice. There's a really bad Cheryl Crow cover of it. This, I really am surprised. I'm surprised I haven't seen this on American Idol more. It's just, again, it's a song that, I don't want to say it's faded into obscurity over the years, but it definitely does not have the attention of people the way of some of other some other Guns N' Roses songs and some other pop ballads or power ballads have. The other reason I'm surprised it hasn't been covered is that the, the lyrics, it's, you know, it's a plea for somebody to love him, getting her to let her guard down. I mean, after all, he's, he asked her if she needs some time alone, and he knows it's hard to keep an open heart when your friends seem out to harm you, and maybe sometime she'll come around and be able to trust someone, even him. You know, there, it has the elements of one of those pieces. And then you've got, of course, and, and then, you know, again, it's very simplistic in its lyrics, and, and what elevates it is is the guitar solo, which on the piano isn't too bad. Again, pretty terrible. Uh, and, and I never really did learn how to flip a sheet of page of sheet music deftly enough to, to make it seem like I wasn't taking my hands off the keys. Um, like I said, it, it sounds like the whole thing was written on the piano and, and, and Slash kind of, again, added with the orchestra and then Slash the guitar added another layer to it. Um, Rose reached a pretty good conclusion, or hopeful conclusion in lyrics, as well, um, it seems that by the end of the song, or at least by the end of the lyrics, uh, that his his girl can make it, or he and his girl can make it, despite well the darkness. Because the, never mind the darkness, we still can find a way. Um, you know, 
nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. And we built this sort of hard rock and ending where the key will, will shift. It'll shift and, and, and things will become more dramatic, especially the guitar part on top of, of the piano solo part. So you've got, um, you know, you've got the, the, the verse at the end, nothing lasts forever. And this kind of dramatic buildup. For all I know, this is just sim- made simple for the sheet music. Rob Paravonian. And then we do switch keys, so it's... And then here's where the actual... um, these chords are... God, this is going to be tough to reach. Uh, the actual uh, solo will come in. Oh God, make it stop. And then it it goes on; it repeats from there. But I'm not going to torture you too much with my with my piano playing. Um, but again, the intention was to make this song reach the soaring climax uh, with the full orchestra and, and everything. But when you listen to it, it really relies on Axl Rose's voice and Slash's guitar, because the music, at least what I've got in front of me, it's this irritating low key melody with a bass part of of just octaves. So I have to give the band, the producers, you know, the people who, for lack of a better word, orchestrated this, uh, an enormous amount of credit. Because what sounds like this on my sheet music... And, and I'm, I'm, I'm missing those lower, those lower notes. That wound up being this.
But this song, which got its fair share of play on the radio, both in its full version on rock radio and in an edited version on Top 40 radio, where it was cut down for time, isn't really what everyone remembers about November Rain. They remember the video. And I'll talk about the video when I get back. I guess you weren't so tough after all, were you? Now it's time to send you to the next dimension. 291 original episodes. This can't be. It's still going up. 325 manga chapters. You acted as if but you're deadly. Time to die! Dozens of characters, hundreds of enemies, and a whole lot of violence. That kind of violence is pointless! You see, Super Saiyans tend to be a bit violent. Oh crap! Join hosts Donovan and Jesse as they cover the arrival of the Saiyans, the journey to Namek, the battle with Frieza, the mystery of the androids, and the terror of Majin Buu. The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. Join the fight at dbznextdimension.lipson.com. See ya. Just who the hell are you? He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? We violate the treaty, Captain. Red alert! All hands, battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle stations. No! Monthly Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. And we're back! Uh, so the video, the video for November Rain, which is in many ways far more memorable than the actual song, or at least what a lot of people from uh, my particular generation or my particular age group uh, remember, it was directed by Andy, Andy Moran... Monahan, I think it's Morahan, cost $1.5 million to make at the time. It was, uh, it was, I believe, at the time the most expensive video ever produced. Uh, was Still is one of the most expensive videos ever produced. And it ran for the full almost nine minutes of the song. Um, it was the number one video of the year in 1992 uh, as far as MTV's uh, end-of-the-year countdown. Uh, and what I wanted to do was kind of make an attempt here to commentary. It's not something I've ever done before, but I figure we can take 10 minutes and look at the video together, and I'll make some, you know, snarky remarks or, or anything. Uh, there is online a series of videos on YouTube that I guess was a uh, something that, that Guns N' Roses put out, uh, probably on VHS back in the day, uh, called uh, Guns N' Roses Making the Fucking Videos, which kind of details all of the different videos they made and uh, the usual illusion album videos and what have you most of it is up on youtube in various parts some of it is not available it depends on what the company that produced it has done in terms of the intellectual property rights so if you want to follow along with me 
Uh, go to YouTube, look up November Rain. Uh, the video is there. The official video is there. And uh, I'll be pressing play in one. Sorry, let's count down. In three, two, one, play. So we have a very nice font. This is the font that I'd see, and I know I'm talking about fonts, but this is the font that I'd see on uh, on a lot of the Guns N' Roses videos of the time. And uh, immediately we're meant to think that, you know, Axel's in despair, but, but we cut to this, this performance. Um, like I said... If you didn't think that the song was epic, the video really is, especially with the concert footage. This was filmed at the Orpheum Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, and from what I've read, the band did this all live, and they had to do several takes. Church there was uh, the one used in the movie Silverado, a movie I haven't seen, to be honest with you. <laughs> but apparently uh, it's, it's kind of a famous set piece from, from, a, from that Western movie. Um, you get the feeling right away that, that this is serious. Axel with his glasses, he's doing the bandana, the, the piano, it, it, and and you've got some computer effects. I mean, you can see where the one point five million dollars went into this. Um, and and here we are, we are telling a story, and I think we're supposed to get the idea that he's dreaming all of the things that will happen uh, in terms of this wedding scene. It's a pretty intense dream too. Ooh, a flute. This is not a Jethro Tull video, by the way. It is a Guns N' Roses video. There's Sirius Axel again. Um, and we come back to the church, and the bride in the video is played by Stephanie Seymour, who was Axel Rose's girlfriend at the time. She was also a supermodel who, at least at that point in my life, I had recognized from the various issues of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue that I kept in a desk in my bedroom. Uh, the wedding dress in the video... $8,000 uh, for that wedding dress. Uh, it's nice that it has a nice mini skirt with a garter that's showing, and it's nice that the bridesmaid in the slinky dress behind her is shaking it as she walks down the aisle. Um, so we gather that there's a relationship. They were perhaps happy. We're flashing back to uh, his past, their relationship, when they got together, um, she's obviously the cool chick who hangs out with the band because, you know, she's smoking a cigarette with them. Um, and what I love about this scene is it's coming up uh, there. Uh, that's totally what would happen to Slash's hat in a bar. A couple of girls walked him through, oh, can I try your hat? Take pictures with the hat. We're playing with the hat. No, and he's making out with her. Um, I always wonder uh, what it really did take to, to stage this live performance. This audience must have been really into it. Apparently, they, they did perform other songs to kind of keep them busy while the cameras were reset and everything. Uh, the uh, Never Make Slash Your Best Man, uh, but, you know, then again, you always have Duff McKagan to... I think that's Duff McKagan. To save him. Uh, to save you. Um so we have, and again, you know, I think only Slash can get away with smoking a cigarette in a church, by the way. Uh, it's almost like reserved especially for him, you know. Uh, Slash is your best man, you know, here's your pack of camels. Uh, church tongue. I guess that's appropriate for a rock and roll wedding. I don't think anybody's looking at Axel and Stephanie at this point. They're watching this guy with the huge hair and the, and the really cool-looking hat walk down the aisle, and he's going to come out of the church, he's going to get on the piano first, which uh, I always thought was cool. Always wanted to play a baby grand and have somebody stand on the piano doing a guitar solo. Uh, but he's going to walk out of the church sans hat and just, it's time to kick it. This is this is one of the more soaring guitar solos of the song. And this is a shot, again, you can see the budget in this movie. The shot from Helicopter of him just wailing on this guitar in a way that is so... John Bon Jovi, uh, you know, going out in a blaze of glory, Young Guns 2, uh, which came out, what, maybe a year or two earlier than this, but that's what I think of. Um, and there are times when I see him hold the guitar vertically, and I think of Brian May from Queen, who actually did tour with him uh, when Slash was doing some solo stuff in, 
how about like 93, like about a year after this when, when May released the solo album Back in the Light. Uh, again, this video, best cinematography at the 92 VMAs, it, it really, really does show. The editing is actually done very well uh, for a music video. You know, you don't get them this cinematic. Uh, you would get them more and more this cinematic through the 90s, but but this is this is something really, really special. Uh, okay, the wedding's over. Everybody's happy. Now, apparently, if you watch her get into the car and you look at the look on her face there, that's supposed to foreshadow the ending of the video. Uh, and when we get to the ending of the video, I'll kind of kind of talk uh, there. Um, there's another shot. You know, she is worried or something. I don't know. Slash is just like really, really just hanging on for dear life. Now, Axel apparently is walking down um, eroding Dodge City at this point. You know, you know the old ghost town next to a shop that just says guns. I want to say that's also a clue as to what happens to Stephanie Seymour in the video. Um, and it's not until I've actually done this that I see, oh, they actually are laying it on a little thick. Uh, so here we go. Here's the reception. Uh, she's changed into a black dress because that's what brides do um, for for some reason. Maybe this is heavy symbolism or something, or maybe they just wanted her in a slinky dress. Ricky Rockman, host of Headbangers Ball, you just saw there. Uh, Headbangers Ball, for anybody my age, you knew that show. That in 120 minutes were the two best video shows on MTV. Uh, Stephanie really liked that cigarette, didn't she? She just really kind of, you know, lit into that one. Um, everybody's having a good time. Uh, quite a number of extras in this in this video, uh, which again, just I, I love any video where you can see the budget. Where you know, oh, it's raining. Isn't that ironic? Don't you think? Um, everybody's hiding, and here we go. Wait, my favorite part of the entire video coming up. The dive bomb through the cake. All right. Oh, and the red wine spilling again. Maybe that's heavily on symbolism. Who cares? Slash is getting on the piano and he's going to kick some ass. And this is where the, the tone of the song changes. And now we see that she's dead. And through years of watching this video, or, or the six months I watched this video a million, a billion times because it was always on MTV. I never knew what she died of. I always kind of thought, what, well, did she die on the wedding day? But then I, and then kind of reading into it a little bit, the mirror that was in the coffin, if you, in the coffin, when they show her shot in the coffin, there's a mirror next to her. And apparently that's done for people who have suffered some sort of head trauma when they die. So the, I think you're supposed to get the sense that she blew her brains out, uh, that she was depressed or whatever, and that she killed herself. Uh, and now this is, you know this this epic funeral scene we've been building to this, and, and and this is kind of the end of his dream. This pleasant recap that's kind of everything's turned into a nightmare here, uh, and 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 Slash is just really uh, selling. We need Slash to stand on more pianos. I, I think I think that's uh, I think that's important. Um, backup dancers, backup the backup singers in, in in this video really really are expressive. It's raining again. Because you can't have a funeral without it raining, and uh, and I don't know. I don't really have much to say beyond this point that we're just building to this climax. And like I said, when you play this on the piano yourself with the with the uh, sheet music, it doesn't sound as cool as it does here. And we have him waking up from his fever dream, and of course, the roses, and what becomes, I will say, a really really cheesy special effect in a moment of the red washing away to white, which, again, um, is it supposed to be blood or something? Um, not really sure. Uh, the the video that I had uh, looked at on, video, on, on YouTube, the official video or so, according to the record company, was uh, says that it was based on a story... Uh, that's called Without You. Uh, the name of the story was Out you, Without You. It's by a uh, a writer named Del James, and you can actually I'll, I'll provide a I will provide a uh, link because you can actually I, you can actually read it on on Scribd 
scribd.com. Um, and uh, I, I skimmed through it. I didn't read the whole thing. But basically, the story itself is um, about a rock star whose girlfriend or wife, whose lover, kills herself and his bottoming out because of that. Um, and uh, and it's it's uh, like I said, it's so I see the I see where where if you if you read the story and you kind of watch along with the video, um, you kind of get the whole story. Uh, this is what is purported to be the first of a sort of sort of trilogy of videos that Guns N' Roses made. Uh, the other one is two, the other two are Don't Cry, which from what I read, there's a little bit of debate between whether or not Don't Cry was the first video in this trilogy or November Rain was, but you get the sense that, yes, she did kill herself because of the Don't Cry video, Stephanie Seymour, which is Stephanie Seymour's also in. Uh, she holds a gun, and he tries to stop her from using the gun or, or something. Uh, and so it's this sort of... The whole video is like Axel having a mental breakdown, and again, epic helicopter shots and what have you. Estranged... A song that I love, and, and I probably will do a blog post about, probably following this podcast episode, uh, has a video um, which has a lot more uh, live concert footage in it, and, and a ton of computer-generated dolphins. Which, like, I yeah, I don't get the computer-generated dolphins in the Estranged video, and I'm not really going to get into it. Just if you want to watch the Estranged video, and they have the the video for like the entire that song's a mother of a song too. It's like a good nine ten minutes long. That's available. You can watch the whole thing. It's good. It's got some decent concert footage, and like I said, computer-generated dolphins. The video, though, video was very, very popular, and it was played endlessly, which, uh, for being nine minutes long, is quite a feat, because that puts us in kind of mini-movie territory. There's very few videos that they allow, they would allow at the time on MTV to go on for that long. Uh, they would play Thriller in its entirety every once in a while, and if you've watched Thriller, it is a movie. It's like 14, 15 minutes long. Uh, but for the most part, you had to be like the biggest band in the world to get a nine-minute video on heavy rotation on MTV. Uh, I saw it myself for the first time in July of 92. I was actually had gone to Florida to visit my friend Chris Samella, whose music you heard in the last episode. He's the, the guitarist, I believe, uh, for City of Treason. Uh, they actually opened for Slash a couple months ago in Atlanta, so... Things come around and are wrapped up in a nice little package. Um, but yeah, so I went to see Chris. Uh, we, we went down, we bought comics, we are hanging out. But uh, at that time, MTV, I, I didn't watch a lot of MTV. I didn't have cable. The only time I ever really got to watch MTV was when I was at my friends' houses and they had it. And we'd watch a little bit of it, then we'd go play hockey or something. Uh, Chris and, and his brother and I would kind of have MTV on in the background as we either read comics and hung out and what have you. This video was played like every hour. And it was like every time you turned around, the only, you know, November Rain was on. The only thing interrupting it was like, I think, Rock and Jock Softball. Because I don't even think the real world had premiered yet by then. So I saw this in its entirety because it was always on. And I think it's important to note that the video was that popular because this was 1992. And and as I said toward the beginning of the episode, uh, nostalgia has this way of kind of playing tricks on us. If you watch too much of your average retrospecticus show, you know, your I Love the 90s, which I know those shows went off the year years ago, and, and the sort of like flashback shows, you know, where they can cobble a bunch of clips together, get a bunch of people to talk about it, you know, it's really easy to produce. They give you this sense that the 90s went like this. You have the rest of the 80s, MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice, Nevermind came out, and we started from scratch, which is really not the case. I mean, not to take away from Nirvana and their impact on music, because they have a huge impact on music. And Smells Like Teen Spirit is a great video, and, and that album is a very good album. But it wasn't like everything just died in their wake. Yeah, the hair bands, the Poison, the Motley Crue, uh, Cinderella, they kind of stuck around a little bit, but their day really warrant their day was in the sun was obviously done but with guns and roses um you know they were still kicking around and if you look at the 1992 mtv video music awards you have what almost looks like a battle royale for like biggest band in the world um some of the winning videos uh you have 
November Rain, Best Cinematography, was nominated for a few others. You have uh, U2 had put out Octung Baby within the last year or two. Uh, even Better Than The Real Thing was a video that got a, a, a ton of nominations. Uh, while they weren't nominated, I think, that year for a video, Metallica was still riding the high of the Black Album. Of course, you had Smells Like Teen Spirit Nirva- by Nirvana, but the biggest video of 1992, the Best Video Award, was Right Now by Van Halen, by uh, Van Hagar. So you still have these big, huge rock bands, these acts, whereas the Seattle grunge sound was supposed to, was supposed to represent this sort of stripped-down, back-to-your-roots sort of, you know, um, dive bar, dive club rock and roll. So it's not as cut and dry. And I actually appreciate that. It, researching this, watching a couple of videos, looking up what was going on at the time made me realize, you know, I was 15. In, I turned 15 in 1992. Uh... That was I was pretty damn lucky. You know, there was some really good music out in the early 90s, and I was very lucky to be a teenager in the early 90s, uh, or else I don't think I would have, you know, uh, appreciated it as much. I held on to this song for a little while longer than, than most other uh, people, most other people I knew did, or most of popular culture did, to be completely honest. Like I said, I, I got the sheet music. Um, I went to my piano teacher. I said, you know, I'd like to play November Rain. She got me the sheet music, and I was... Uh, I looked... I have still had the sheet music because I was playing it earlier, and uh, you could see the pencil date was somewhere in '92 was when I happened to be happened to be playing and practicing it. Uh, in the spring of '95, uh, I was uh, I happened this was my senior year of high school. '94, '95 was my senior year of high school, and uh, I was that year president of a community service club in my high school called uh, the Anchor Club, which it's one of those student organizations that's sponsored by like a local. Uh, service group, a uh, business group. Like uh, you have the Key Club, which is spon- sponsored by your Kiwanis Club. This was a club that was sponsored by the Pilots Pilot Club, which was a women's organization. Way, 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 way back in the day, the fifties and sixties, it used to be like a girls' organization, whereas the Key Club was the boys. And then you know things get progressive and things go co-ed. So in the spring of '94, my junior year, I was elected president, and in the spring of '95, I was the outgoing president. Um, at the induction for the new one, and uh, I'm not gonna go on and on about like all the uh, my senior year uh, and all the bullshit high school drama that went on because it is it's high school drama and half the time it is bullshit. Uh, but I will say it was it had its ups and downs. It was a great experience and it was a not so great experience. And uh, where November Ring comes in is that comes in is that at the induction we always tried to show off kind of like you know different anchor club members talents. Uh, I remember one year, one girl did like her Irish step dancing routine with somebody else. A couple of guys did some, played some songs. Somebody did uh, on a on a keyboard and, and sang. Uh, I remember a couple of cello solos and violin solos and stuff. And, and we were looking for acts. And I don't know if I was. Uh, uh, I don't know if 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 I was feeling left out because I hadn't been playing anything for those couple of years, or if I just really thought I was good at playing the piano. But I was like, well, I'll play. I'll play uh, during the time where everybody's mingling. I'll be like kind of the background music, and that's what I did. And I tried to think of like the one thing that I knew that I could play well enough, and it ended up being November Rain. Three years after it was ever popular, three years after people had moved on to things like Green Day, and, you know, and and nobody, like, who the hell was going to recognize a song other than somebody looking at me going, like, you're playing November Rain? Uh, I might have gotten a smattering of applause. I don't know. I don't know if anybody was really listening. I just kind of came and played. I don't even know if I played the end part. I might have just kind of led up to that where it stops and uh, did a little bit of a flourish or something and finished there because that end of the song is really uh, uh, just kind of takes away from it in the sheet music but yeah it was sort of everybody's milling around before the ceremony so I'm going to play the piano and it kind of not to be a stupid about it but it represented kind of how I always played the piano anyway I, I, I never did recitals I always you know in fact not a lot of people knew aside from the fact that my friends knew that we had piano in the house we had the keyboard and you know i would play some stuff in time it's not like i would always go around and play piano i wasn't in a band kind of always wanted to be in a band anyways i wasn't in a band you know so i was just kind of this i I played the piano i played a lot of stuff like billy joel and what have you i wasn't like a classically trained pianist i wasn't you know gonna set anybody's world on fire and i surely did not set that room on fire figuratively speaking um so it was kind of like you know this 
quiet performance that was the exact opposite of how <laughs> November Rain is intended to be played because it's supposed to be this epic power ballad of a song and here I am and I've turned it into like you know background music at the piano lounge uh, but I didn't screw up. I've had finally learned how to turn pages on sheet music without the sheet, without either stopping the piano or the sheet music flying out of the music stand, uh, which was an accomplishment in itself. It was one of three times in my life where I played for somebody other than my family. Uh, the other two were recitals for a piano course I took two semesters of in college, the last one of which I played Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata uh, from memory got an A minus, it's one of the most proud, it's one of the grades, one of the accomplishments I'm most proud of from college, because I worked my ass off on that. Couldn't do it for you now, but uh, every time I hear that, I remember sitting there on that stage and, and playing that that sonata, and, and I remember my, my pedal foot shaking almost uncontrollably from nerves, but I kept it together, and, and you know, that was months of work, and it was a, uh, a uh, something I'm insanely proud of. It's nothing to do with November Rain, but I thought I'd brag. Um, But, again, it's this song that is significant, or more significant than I think I realized uh, before I started going back and doing this episode. Because, to be honest with you, I may have listened to it once or twice since I graduated high school. I rarely pull out either of the Use Your Illusion albums to listen to in my car. And to be honest with you, when I do, I pull out two rather than one because two has a couple of songs, Breakdown and Estranged, that uh, I absolutely love. The only song, I think I might have mentioned this, the only song I remember listening to on one on a more consistent basis was You Ain't the First because uh, my roommate, one of my roommates in college would play that to do a shot with before we went out to the bars. Uh, I think it was like junior or senior year. In fact, I think I put it on a mixtape at some point. So, you know, my experience with Guns N' Roses is, you know, a good six months to a year of my life, but then I go on to discovering, well, Metallica, um, very into Queen through a lot of high school, but then I'd listen to Nirvana somewhat. I was more into Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, clearly, and then into Green Day, and Green Day kind of got me into uh, other other punk bands, The Clash, The Ramones, The Replacements, uh, for instance, uh, and I'm, and which is, which is why I have to explain that to students who think it's weird that Dookie is the album that changed my life, but that's another podcast for another day. Um, but yeah, November Rain just kind of got placed on the pop culture shelf, and... Uh, needs to needs to get a little more credit than it deserves because it is sort of the last great gasp by this band. Guns N' Roses never really recovered, so to speak, from User Illusion. They did very well, but the, the album did very well, but the tour had its problems, mainly due to Axl Rose. The band put out the Spaghetti Incident in, what, 94, and then they did the cover of Sympathy for the Devil on the Interview with the Vampire soundtrack in late 94. But uh, I know that uh, Spaghetti Incidents had a cover since I Don't Have You that charted and did all right. But other than that, um, after that, it took a good decade or so to put out Chinese Democracy. And the band, the version of the band that put out Chinese Democracy was not the Guns N' Roses that you know, we kind of all knew and love. At that point, most of the Guns N' Roses that we all know and love was in Velvet Revolver. Uh, and so it's almost like I don't want to say November Rain is the 80s last stand, but it feels like that on some level. It feels like, you know, this, like I said, it's a shot at the title for this band. And uh, I think for at least part of it, they were there. And you can you can look at their, uh, their history and you can see how much of their undoing was their own fault. But again, give November Rain a listen give the video a watch, give it a little more credit than, uh, give credit where credit is due. If you're interested in watching the video, it is available on YouTube. I will post it in the show notes. I will post some artwork, mainly from the sheet music, the album cover, the single. Uh, I will post a link to the Dell James story if you're interested in reading that, um, which I probably could have covered a little more, but we are running into the 50-minute mark here, so uh, we'll, we're 45-minute mark here. 
or whenever, depending on whenever, whenever I edit this down. So we'll, uh, but but I'll provide a link to that. Uh, that will be a pop culture affidavit dot dot pop culture affidavit dot com. If you want some to give me some feedback, an email, a shout out, what have you. Uh, popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com is my email address. I will be back in December with actually two episodes because I'm going to do one that's sort of a regular December episode and I'm going to do a Christmas special of sorts, the topic of which I have no idea. Uh, but I, I really do like doing Christmas stuff, so you see a lot of Christmas stuff up on uh, up on the blog in the coming weeks. Um, you'll probably also see another Guns N' Roses related post. I would like to write about Estranged a little bit. And and that is about it. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to everybody who has given me support over the last couple of months. I'm really enjoying doing this. And take care and good night. <laughs>